Hello and welcome to A Sporting Discussion, your podcast that discusses sports of all sorts. I am Andrew Donison and I'm joined by a man who's put his very best jockey silks on, AJ Mithin. Hello, AJ. How do they look? You look like a... They're a touch tight. Yep. Just look a... like the lollipop men or whatever they are from Wizard of Oz. I'm going to say, it looks like it's been a while since you put them on, but that's <laughs> all right. A huge episode once again this week, Cricket in Crisis, hashtag crisis. We will also be talking to Ben Foster, the general manager of the Australian Baseball League. We'll take a look at the Baseball World Series over in America and we'll quickly touch on the Melbourne Cup horse racing, the Four Nations Rugby League and the Fast Five Netball. As we always say, a discussion is two ways, us here at ASD Stadium and you, the listeners. So get in contact with us via Twitter at ASD underscore podcast or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion so we can make sure we are talking about issues that are of interest to you. AJ, normally we kick things off with confirmations and corrections and our topical recap, but seeing as our last episode was our chat with Rowan Connolly, there's not a lot of confirmations or corrections to, to go through. Not at all. And topical re- recap, we had a bit of good feedback on the, the episode itself. We got Peter Gibson on Twitter, thoroughly recommend this interview to anyone who is interested in sports journalism and the media. So... Thank nice you, one. Peter. Thanks, Peter. We got there was a lot of love on Twitter for the uh, for the Rowan Connolly interview, which was really good because we were, we were quite happy with how it all went. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, regular listeners, Cole McKenna and Dan Jarvis and Adrian Moran all got in contact with us. Danae Gibson also told us that uh, that she enjoyed that. So that's, that's Danae Gibson of Chicks Talking Footy. Yes, on yep, I think Joy FM, Joy FM ninety four point nine in Melbourne. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. So and that... uh, I'll, I'll just flick platforms, Andrew, oh, over okay. to Facebook. And uh, we had Nick who left us a message saying, "Great episode, lads. I've been saying for years we need an ESPN style thirty for thirty on Australian sporting stories. Would be really interested on ideas you blokes and the listeners have for subjects of these docos. So that's a good one. Uh, I replied saying. Uh, I don't know, a lot of people would have seen it, but I'm not sure if everyone remembers it. In 98 or something like that, there was a documentary on the ABC called The Draft. Oh, yes. Which followed uh, Des Headland, who was the presumptive number one pick. Yep. uh, Brendan Favola and Adam Ramanowskis in the weeks leading up to the AFL draft in the year they were drafted. It would have been fascinating to continue following those three Just throughout their think entire of those career. three, yeah. Well, Des Headland's one was interesting because he went to the draft. He was expecting – yeah, he was drafted by the Brisbane Lions mm. at one or two well, – number one, sorry. And he went to the draft wearing a Frio Dockers polo because he wanted to play for Fremantle so badly. But so – if that had, if they had the resources, or if they were able to follow those guys for, you know, drop back in every year or every six months or something, it would have been absolutely fascinating. Yeah, each of them had a very different journey through their their career. It would have been would have been amazing. Uh, Matthew Chapman also got in contact. He suggested that we should have asked Rowan about the thirty for thirty, and then he got in contact with us about ten minutes later and said. Hang on, I've just got to that bit. <laughs> so I think there, there's definitely an appetite there for, for that there? sort of thing. But so. if people weren't so hoarding about all the uh, info, mm-hmm. about all the footage and all the you know the stories, and anyway, it's a real missed opportunity across all of Australian sport, really.
Andrew, do we need to talk about something serious for a moment in the world of cricket. Mm. Your your most loved sport of cricket. It is. I love it. Uh, we're recording in the afternoon of 1st of November, uh, which is a Tuesday. This Thursday on the 3rd, the first test between Australia and South Africa is happening at the Wacker in Perth. It'd be nice if that was the big story in cricket at the moment, wouldn't it, AJ? Well, yeah, but it seems to be, because it's book season, uh, cricketers are releasing books left, right and centre, and uh, it seems that uh, everyone's just taking pot shots at each other. Andrew, what on earth is going on? It's it's the time of year, as you say, it's the lead up to Christmas, and there is books and books and books being written. And bitchiness sells from the sound of it. Yeah, and this year there seems to be a lot more... Personal gripes being aired through these books. Michael Clark was the first one. The excerpts of that were were drip fed to the to the newspapers. Oh, he marketed that beautifully. Oh well, then he got on Channel Nine on sixty minutes to do a half hour interview. Which oh yeah, some clear air to say what he liked. Yeah. Well, he is, he is going interview. to be. I think he's heading the commentary team. Maybe not the broadcast, but he's part of Channel Nine's commentary team this season, which is good because he's. He talks well about the game, but my word, has he compromised himself? Yeah, and a lot of the things that he's talking about in the book, or at least that have been released, uh, are things that everyone has already talked about, everyone's already heard about, and everyone's already sick of. You know, the the bust-up in the SCG change rooms on Matthew Hayden's last test match where Simon Cadditch, you know, grabbed him by the throat because he wanted to go onto a boat mm. with James Packer and all the old boys wanted to sing a song and, oh, dearie me... Who cares? Like, <laughs> well, they do. It's important to them. But the thing is, they don't. Like, but and- now we're all cashing in because we love a good soap opera. But Andrew Simons was asked for comment and he said, oh, I don't care. I've moved on. Mitchell Johnson was asked for comment because he's got a book out as well. He said, I don't really care. Love Simon Cadditch, don't Simon. care. Like, yeah. Everyone's just going, nah, Clarky. Just but Mitchell like- Johnson's put his book out too, which has about how he doesn't like anyone either. Yeah. Allegedly, we, have, we should say we haven't read any of these books. The, the Mitchell Johnson one, I am actually quite interested in reading because there's two parts to his career that I'd like to, to find out more about. The start of his career, where he was basically discovered by Dennis Lilly, and the middle of his career, where he had basically his mental breakdown mm. and then came back as the greatest fast bowler in the world at the time. Mm. But why are we focusing, or why is there this focus in, in the media and the general public about? the relationship between cricketers and, you know, whether they get along in the change room. Well, interesting you say that because there was an article published on Fox Sports by Brett Jeeves, who you can enlighten me as to who he is. I know he's on ABC. Yeah, Brett Jeeves, former Tasmanian cricketer. He's taken to writing some, you know, witty articles during the AFL season. He's a quirky and whimsical writer, is he? uh, Yes, but I've got to say, this one that he wrote on the Fox Sports website was actually a a serious article. It went viral, as you say. Yeah, I'm... We're going to assume that everyone has, has read it. It's basically saying the HR side of the Australian cricket team is rubbish and players are not given any support. Well, it says a bit more than that, doesn't it? Well, yes. It, it it basically, it. it's a, it's a, what, 800, 1,000 words of sooking about how no one cuddled him when he got to South Africa. Uh, <laughs> apart from, well, I'll give him one legit gripe, which is he wasn't picked up from the airport. That's really bad. Yes. Especially in, um, where was it? Johannesburg. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. In, basically in somewhere where when he got into the taxi, Murder capital the taxi the driver said, you're going to get me murdered because of all of the cool gear that you're bringing into my mm. car. <laughs> but the one thing that I think should be focused on is 
Brad Hogg's revelation that after the end of his test career, his, his marriage also broke up and he actually thought of taking his own life pretty much every day. He would walk along the beach and see a point about a kilometre and out and say, I'm going to swim out there and then I'll swim back. If I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. Mm. Well, yeah, you, you spoke about Mitch Johnson having some mental health issues as well. I mean, there's something seriously wrong going on where players either don't have the support in camp or once they've finished. Andrew Simons could have done with some some support when he was playing. Michael Slater could have done with some support when he was playing. Mind you, this is all from a position of mass ignorance from us. Oh, no doubt. More than who is a trend. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that what needs to happen is get rid of these petty gripes between players and focus on the real issues at hand. One, how is Cricket Australia supporting its cricketers in both their physical and mental health during and after their career? And two, the cricket. Yeah. I can't wait. It starts on Thursday. So what have we got, Andrew? Let's turn our attention to on-field matters. Dale Stain, Kagiso Rabada, Mornay Morkel are going to hopefully present the most feared fast bowling lineup since the West Indies of the 1980s. Is it Dale Stain hasn't played for 12 months? Mornay Morkel. Mornay Morkel. Mornay Morkel. So he's back. And Vernon Philander will probably be the fourth paceman unless they go with one of their uncapped spinners, which I don't think they will. Best surname ever. Australia have selected Joe Many. Is he going to play? It'll either be him or Siddle. I would. He's the leading shield wicket taker last year. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. And we have long lamented the not bringing in of younger, he's not young, but youngish blood into the test team. Jackson Bird did well in the shield last year, played in New Zealand, which is the last time Australia played three fast bowlers. He was left out. One of the reasons that Chairman of Selectors Rod Marsh said was because his batting wasn't up to it. And that went well for Rod because he's no longer with us, selection-wise. Oh, no. So, he's, yeah, he's quitting at the end of his term yeah. next year. But he pick- So, you wouldn't pick a fast bowler because he couldn't make runs at 10. Is yep. that, have I understood that yep. right? But you'll pick Mitch Marsh, who averages 24 at number six. Andrew, we are huge baseball fans here on a sporting discussion, are we not? Absolutely. Australian baseball fan over here. Yes, uh, I follow all of it everywhere. Uh, We have the Australian Baseball League starting on the 17th of November as the Brisbane Bandits take on the Canberra Cavalry in the season opener. The reigning champs, Brisbane, taking on my Canberra Cavalry. That's right, and my Canberra Cavalry. But we try to stay unbiased, not really. I'm not going to. Garner Cavs. We had another massive guest that we spoke to this week. It was Ben Foster, the general manager of the Australian Baseball League. Uh, We spoke to him about uh, the league's uh, situation in 16-17 and going forward. Ben Foster, welcome to a sporting discussion. Thanks, AJ. Good to be here. Uh, Great to have you on. Now, Ben, we are very much looking forward to the start of the 2016-17 Australian Baseball League season, and I imagine that your excitement levels are probably a little bit higher than ours. Uh, As they always are. Um, It's one of those things that I'm very fortunate to be in a position uh, that I've been with the ABL uh, literally since inception. Um, I, I count myself very fortunate to be employee number one, um, for the ABL and so have been here from the, I guess, uh, pre-conceptual uh, stage of the league, uh, seeing it through its its initial start-up and development, uh, 
um, obviously the the first six years, six full years of operation, and uh, and now really kick off into our seventh on a uh, what is um, uh, you know there's been some significant changes for us in the off season, and and you're right, we're we're very excited to uh, to embark upon the new season ahead. Well, you're right about the significant changes. And as the general manager of the Australian Baseball League, uh, how how do you get involved with in the day to day operations? Uh, look, it's it's everything. You know, as as uh, you know, I often joke to people that it's one of the most apt titles they are. Is that, isn't it? Generally, I manage you know most things. Um, <laughs> so um, it, it's uh, and, and a little bit of tongue in cheek there, but you know, we we um, obviously I'm I'm obviously. Uh, sit at the top in terms of in in, in terms of the day to day operations, baseball operations department, all the all the operational there. Also, obviously, the finances and the budgeting, and work with the teams on on how all that works. Um, and uh, and certainly, you know, uh, any all roads at one point or another um, usually pass through uh, pass through my office. And this season, Ben, is uh, a bit of a changing of, I guess, the the ownership structure. Baseball Australia are taking a hundred percent ownership of the ABL from the from Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball have been a, a, a part, I guess, owner um, since the inception of the the ABL. That's that's exciting that uh, that Baseball Australia are taking that on as a, a sole owner. Absolutely. I mean, they're, 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 if, if there's one single thing that we, you know, have have been, you know, in in the background, we've been anticipating this for a while, um, and it's certainly something that that both us internally and certainly I think the fans should be really excited about. Um, that's taking nothing away from our um, our partnership with Major League Baseball, who I have to say have been tremendous every step of the way. Um, they were majority owners of the league um, for the first six years of operation. Um, there's no doubt that uh, you know, both both from a, uh, an Australian baseball perspective or a team perspective, um, we would have been able to launch the league without their initial support. Um, but having said that, there was always a long-term plan that you know, Major League Baseball said from day one that we're not really in the business of owning other leagues. You know, we we own our we own the major leagues, and 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 that's our that's our primary focus. But we are very interested in developing the game internationally. And so this was really seen as a development uh, development initiative on on their behalf, and and once we're up and running, and we actually were able to see the league in operation, uh, we we weathered the storm in the first couple of years in terms of in terms of a couple of really turbulent. Uh, I guess if I look at other leagues that have startup leagues that have started baseball leagues that have started around the world, it's usually those first two or three years that are that are make or break. Um, we managed to see our way through that, and, and uh, like I say, with quite a few quite a few wins along the way and, and successes. And so for us now, it really just comes down to. I mean, we've used this as you know, our marketing team has really latched onto this in terms of the you know the hashtag our game, um, and and that's more than just a marketing slogan. That really is what what we we embracing here internally, and that what we hope our our fans um, who, who are increasing day by day um, are embracing as well. And that, and that this is really where we get to take ownership of the Australian Baseball League, and we get to make it you know our own. Um, as I said, that detracts nothing from what Major League Baseball has provided us, and they'll continue to be there as a partner. Um, fans will still see Major League Baseball or minor league, you know, baseballers who are who are affiliated with major league organisations coming out and playing for their ABL clubs. Um, so we've still got you know as much involvement from from 
from the on-field perspective, as we always have in the past, we'll also have the you know the support of them from a uh, I guess a branding and a marketing perspective. Uh, they you know they continue to run our websites and 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 provide all the the the, the background infrastructure there, and so. The, the partnership, I, I would say, is it will continue, and 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 we've just re-signed a new three-year development agreement with Major League Baseball. Really, the only change sits in the boardroom and and the um and the equity shareholding in the league, and where we you know it is now 100% Australian owned. Well, that's excellent news, and I'm glad you hit, tipped us off there because we'll move on to the diamond. Um, the season starts on the 17th of November with. Canberra travelling to Brisbane, the defending champions. Um, yep. Are there any players, uh, young up-and-coming Aussies or minor leaguers coming over we should be keeping an eye on, Ben? Look, it's always, it's always a, uh, one, of the, one of the most hotly anticipated um, uh, subjects every year is that because we do get such a great influx of um, international talent, um, it's it's sometimes a bit of a lottery in terms of what you're getting, and so we we, we can see the numbers on paper, and we can see the you know uh, where players have been drafted by their major league clubs or their you know relative signing bonuses and things like that. But you never really know what you get until they're they're here and they're thrust into the environment. And a lot of these guys are coming from a situation that they've only ever played with players more or less on on a on a uh, their contemporaries, so a similar level. So they're well, they're major prospects for these major league organisations. Most of these guys are playing at, uh, at at single A, some double A level, and so they're usually playing with a with a bunch of guys who are 19, 20, 21, 22 years of age. The big unique or the, or the unique aspect of the Australian Baseball League is that our our local players, our our native Australian players, a lot of those guys are the are the uh, more veteran. Uh, you know, stars of the league, um, players the likes of Brad Harmon and Luke Hughes and, uh, uh, you know, the Canellis and all these, all these type of players who, who have been around as part of the national team and their local ABL teams for many years. And so, um, a lot of the, those guys have got former major league experience, AAA experience and the like. And so the interesting, uh, dynamic is seeing those young players join with those, you know, those local veterans and see what, what can, what can come out of it. And so I think Brisbane, who you mentioned as reigning champions, they really captured that, um, dynamic last year where it was a really good mix of their, their locals and, and, and performances by their, by their Australian players and the, the four players from Tampa Bay that they got last year really, uh, you know, latched onto that culture and that, that atmosphere and, and made the most of it. So we've seen those guys. You know, progress really quickly through the through the Tampa Bay system and, and go on to the major league. So, it's a really tough question to ask, and I know I've sort of skirted around it there. But it, it, until the until the guys actually land in the country and you see um, uh, what they're what they're made of, it's 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 quite a lot of guesswork. Um, and so, um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what we get once they uh, once they arrive. But you know, there's, I mean, there's been a bit of pressure about it. You know, one of the players that Tampa are sending back this year, they picked up in a trade, uh, a young kid from the Bahamas of all places, um, <laughs> called Lucius Fox. Um, and you know, he was given a, he was given a $6.5 million signing bonus as a, as a, as a 17 year old kid. Yeah. I had that problem too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, he, he's obviously someone who is, you know, based upon his, his raw talent and tools and, and athletic ability who they're really excited about getting. Um, 
But again, we uh, we're not sure how he's going to adapt to the Australian league and, and the environment until uh, until he gets here and on the ground. But you know, we're we're really excited about him as we all, uh, all the players. Yeah, and as a, a Canberra Cavalry fan, I just hope that a few more DD Gregorius types can can come out and Some then Gregory I yeah, and make make their way yeah, yeah. from you know well, from, he, from the Cavs. Yeah, he's actually a really good example. So, I mean, Didi is a guy that came to us in the first year of the ABL, as you well know, and, mm. you know, was actually, you know, was it was a, obviously a, a standout defensively and won the gold glove for the league um, in that first year. But but he really struggled, you know. Um, yeah. He, at the plate, you know, with the bat, I think, I don't even think he hit 200 no. for the season. So, um, so there's, an, there's an example of a guy who's now the everyday shortstop for the New York Yankees. Um, who three years earlier um, was 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 struggling to hit 200 in the ABL. So that's a really good example of you never really know what the players how the players going to adapt until they until they get hit. That's so true. Now, Ben, we've had a look at the uh, over the years we've been watching ABLTV.com uh, and just looking yep. at the website. There looks like there's a few other uh, what a Sunday showcase and a new podcast with Chris Coleman. What can you tell us about those? Look, I think I think um, what we wanted to really focus on this year was that we, we it's been a uh, a very uh, positive development that we've had over the last couple of years in terms of in terms of our online following and the and, and the amount of engagement that we had. So, really, what we wanted to try and do this year, again, in taking it taking it all internally and on board, was was focus on our quality. And so, we've, we as opposed to trying to do um, every single game of the year, this year we focused. We'll do a game every day. Um, and that'll be the game of the day, and we'll we'll try and add in a few few other, um, I guess, branding elements around it. We'll add things like a consistent graphics package, so no matter where your team's playing, you're going to be able to see, you know, um, all all the same graphics and information on on screen, and and um, really look to develop that. And then and obviously on the top of that, add in the uh, the Sunday uh, the Sunday showcase, which gives players a bit or, or fans a bit more of an overarching view of you know. Who's hot in the league? Who's not? Um, what's uh, you know any any of the underlying stories that are going on in the league? So a bit more of um, uh, I guess the magazine news style information for uh, for fans out there as well. So few changes from from prior years, but I'm I'm really excited to see how it turns out. And that you know the the attempt to, to improve the engagement with the fans, I think, is is a massive thing because there is a huge like baseball fan base in Australia. Everyone you know seems to to be a Cubs fan at the moment. But yep. <laughs> but um, how like how does the ABL go about? I guess grabbing the 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 fans of baseball that aren't necessarily ABL fans and turning them into eyes on the screen and bums on the seats. Yeah, look, really good question. And, 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 you know, that's, it's almost like lightning in a bottle. If you could harness it, mm. um, if there was a single, if there was a single uh, answer to that question, then, uh, then I'd be a very happy man. You just go and consult to all to... the leagues around the world. <laughs> exactly. We'd be able to, um, uh, but I do take a lot of solace from, you know, if I look at our contemporaries, and, and again, you, you, it's always dangerous to compare yourself necessarily to to other codes and other sports. But um, you know, I draw some parallels, at least from from the A League and their their time frame and their development, because they they much like us have a, have a similar similar nuance where you know you've got millions of Manchester United and Liverpool fans and things like that who really took them a long time to to transfer that love of football. To a love of their local, you know, A League team, and so 
we saw we've we we know that's a fact. We've seen it. We saw it during the opening series when the Dodgers and Diamondbacks came out here. You know, we we, we can fill the Sydney Sydney cricket ground with with fans of baseball or people who are willing to come along. Um, but that hasn't necessarily translated yet to to the ABL. But it is getting better. We, as I said, those those touch points, that engagement. Um, more and more, we're trying to we're trying to bring people along to the game. And so, you know, for our for our full season members this year, for example, one of the offerings that we've we've sent out to them is a mates membership. Um, so these people that we know are the passion fans. They're the ones that are that are that are going to you know come to most, if not every game. Um, and they're the ones that we're saying, well, look, bring someone along, let them share in the enjoyment because you've obviously found it. Um, you know the, the the excitement and passion that you find from watching the game, and and why don't you bring someone along and 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 share it? Because what we found is that our our customer satisfaction, I guess our fan satisfaction, is is through the roof. Um, you know, once people come through the gates and, and actually see the product on the field, they see the level of talent that they're looking at, which is which is, you know, I would argue. Um, you know, we we talk about those parallels with the sports. I would, I would say that the level of playing the ABL is much closer to the to the major leagues than. You know, potentially the A League is to Premier League or or or, or other you know um, premium soccer leagues around the world, and so they're, they're seeing the the really really talented players out there, and so once they once they uh, have established that fact and get get through the gate, and they know they can have a a good time in a on a summer's evening. Um, I think we've got a we've got a lot of fans out there that are waiting to convert. Absolutely, and look, when AJ and I were living in Canberra, when the like the new incarnation of the ABL came in and, you know, heading out to the Field of Dreams out in Narrabunda was, was brilliant. Like eventually, the, it's, not a, it's not a huge capacity ground, but it was, it was getting sold out pretty much every, every day. And you can see places like Perth and Adelaide and Brisbane as well uh, starting to fill up as well when they, with the crowd's coming in. Absolutely, and, that, and that's being reflected in, in our support from from all sectors, you know, both the commercial sector, but also from government. So, you know, that the the, the field of dreams there in Canberra is, uh, you know, shortly after this season, we'll we'll embark on another, you know, five million dollar upgrade and 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 even more facilities going there. We saw, you know, the, the prime minister um, prior to the election commit six million dollars to an upgrade of, uh, of the facility in Perth. We've had some great upgrades in, and, and and move in in Adelaide this year. So. Slowly and slowly, we're seeing that uh, I guess that that love of the sport and that that broader um, admiration for baseball translate into into um, you know runs on the board in terms of in terms of both our facility development and, and other things we can do to bring the game back to fans. Now, Ben, just before we wrap this up, we had one final question. We we've started a bit of a hashtag. Uh, on the Twitter, as you do these days uh, with podcasts, because there's a certain outfielder who plays for the Scottsdale Scorpions, who uh, we think would be a real value add, as they say in the business, to the ABL. Uh, his name's Tim Tebow. <laughs> I believe he's yep. part, part of the New York Mets organization. So, can can we break he it is. here that you're you've been working hard to get him out here? <laughs> well, look, it, it would it would um, I, I can say with all honesty and all that that I do I do know his agent. And we have had um, conversations um, over years past and this year. Um, I have mentioned it to him um, via email. I think, um, you know, if, if, if you know, all, all jokes aside, I think uh, Tim's uh, commitment to commentating on uh, um, college football over the winter will probably prevent him from 
from playing anywhere outside the US. But uh, look, we never know. Um, he, he may still may still end up on a plane, and I've, I've told him that the ABL is an option potentially for him if he wants to come down. Lovely. That won't prevent us from still using hashtag Tebow time down <laughs> under. <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead, guys. You know, you, you, you can you, you can never hurt. You know, if he gets enough support, he might uh, he might jump on a plane. All right, Ben Foster. Thank you so much for talking to us on a sporting discussion. We look forward to catching up with you out in Altona at an Aces game. Absolutely, look forward to it. Thanks, guys. AJ, continuing on the baseball theme, over in America, the Major League Baseball have their World Series. Currently, the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs doing battle. Oh, is there two teams? Uh, apparently so. Oh, There's... I've only ever heard that the Chicago Cubs are playing. I've actually only ever heard of the fairy tale team. It's a bit of Western Bulldog syndrome, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Cleveland Indians haven't won the... World Series since 1948. Yeah. And the Cubs haven't won since 1908. So it's a bit of a mm. loser bowl. But, <laughs> but the, the other thing that's interesting to me is there's more than one baseball team in Chicago, isn't there? Yeah, my White Sox, who won the World Series in 2005. But the, that's been airbrushed from history for the purposes of this. Mind you, we're being a bit facetious because 108 years since a title... It's fairly significant. It is. Game six will take place on Wednesday the 2nd. Game seven, if required, on Thursday the 3rd of November. Both in Cleveland? Both in Cleveland. The Indians with a 3-2 series lead in the best of seven at the moment. What's been your your take or your highlight from, from the series thus far? Well, the Cubs finished the season, I think they won 103 out of their, one, maybe even more, out of their 162 season games. Jeez, that's a lot of games. And they finished with a record run differential of something like plus 252, which is unprecedented in, wow. in baseball. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, they were hitting the lights out, flogging everyone. And they got to the playoffs and they're hitting 167. Which means when three hundred is even, considered good, not even two out of ten pitches they're getting a hit on. That's not. That's oh, sorry, not at bats they're yeah. getting a hit on. Um, and that, is, is that due to Cleveland or due to? No, it's it's due to themselves. Yeah, you swing when you don't need to. Uh, you get a bad angle on the bat; it goes too high. You ground ball. You know you you can't deal with the pitching. But there are some sensational pitches. Corey Kluber is one of them. Have um, they got 108 years of history in their in their head when they're going out to no, bat? No, no, no. This, no. The Cubs team is really young. Okay. And they couldn't give two hoots about oh, 108 good. years of so history. Not, Everyone in the stands does. Yeah, they're not reading all of the media. <laughs> um, Cleveland are up 3-2. They've got two games at home, so they are the warmer-than-warm favourite. Mm, mm. Um, but... There's a the pitcher for game six for Chicago's Jake Arrieta, yep. who is really, really, really good. Right, when okay. he is good, he can't be touched. And uh, batting 167 might be enough behind a pitcher like that. And pitchers, for those of us who are not necessarily uh, Major League fans, pitchers, mm-hmm. they don't play every game, do they? They have a, a huge rotating roster because their games are so... Uh, close to each other. Yeah, pitcher will start a game, pitch, I don't know, usually they pull them at about 100, sometimes uh, okay. yeah, roughly 100 or 5, 6 innings, yep. if, they, if they stay out of trouble, that is, if they're not getting tonked all over the place. Yep. Um, and then they'll go and they'll rest for prob- usually three days 
before okay. they'll before they'll start again. It's different for relief pitchers and closers. Uh, closers only really pitch uh, one inning, maybe two, if they're good enough, like our oldest Chapman did yesterday. And they just come out and throw fastballs, don't they? They come out and throw fastballs to knock it all over, but they can they can go every night because they're not out there for very long. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the the uh, Cleveland have uh, managing their bullpen as it is, so that their ace can be in there to start Game 7. And do you think that it's going to get to Game 7? Uh, I think it will. Yep. With Arietta starting, if they can get to him, then it's all over. But I think, I think the Indians are going to win, which will be a sensational effort because they haven't won for so long. Mm. Uh, well, either way, you know, you get your fairy tale. But you can't begrudge one over the other. AJ, the weekend just gone saw the Netball Fast Five competition take place in Melbourne. And in honour of that, we're going to do a Fast Three. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. We're going to look at the Fast Five Netball. We're going to look at the Four Nations Rugby League Tournament. And we are going to look at the Melbourne Cup Horse Racing. Yes. Fast Five Netball saw Australia... New Ze- Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, England, Malawi and Jamaica play mm-hmm. the, the top six teams in the world in a, uh, would you call it the, the T20 of netball? Well, you'd have to. It's mm. the fast four of netball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, that's fast four tenders for people who, don't, who aren't. That's a horrible concept. Horrible concept. Anyway, move along. New Zealand had won five of the six tournaments or four of the five tournaments to date had I think that they had, they had, Australia had never beaten them until the preliminary rounds this time where Australia won by three goals. Yeah, take that. Which was good. Yep. And then the final came, New Zealand. Now, three goals is one shot for the, uh, for see, the unlearned among us. I think, as we, in me. I think we could call it three points this time. A three-point shot, yes. Because fast five, as well as only having five players on the court, so one centre, two defenders, two attackers, it has three scoring zones, a one-point, a two-point, and a three-point, all in garish blue and pink and purple colours. That was doing my head in, that, those court colours. I've was, got, uh, for, the, for the listeners at home, I've got laser eyes and anything too bright, <laughs> I have to wear sunnies everywhere like Bono does. <laughs> but the, the final itself, New Zealand got out to a huge lead at three-quarter time. They were ahead by 17 points, thanks mainly to Maria Tutayer, who I think scored 18 points in the New Zealand's power play. And in the power play, every point that you score is double. So when she shot a three-point goal on the buzzer, it was worth six points, which is pretty handy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So they had their power play in the second quarter, Australia in the last quarter, coming from 17 points down and did not score at all in their power play. Oh, wow. Yes. So... A successful tournament in that it was... Was it what? Rated 1.4 million, apparently... Oh, no, sorry, not rated 1.4 million. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry, let me, let me just go back and breathe before I say this. 1.4 million people watched the tournament across the five capital cities. So okay. that's pretty good. That's, that's very really good. good. Yeah. And the crowds were, were big. The crowds were, were enthusiastic. And they're really trying to, I guess, push this as a, another form of, of, of netball that is going to become 
almost like a, a World Cup. I was reading during the week that they want more nations to come into it, not just the, the top six. Yeah. Channel 9 are the... They are loving this yes. thing. They're loving it. They love short, uh, bastardized versions of traditional sports, don't they? They do. Do you think that they're going to fall too much in love with Fast Five at the expense of actual netball? Absolutely, 100%. They are going to push Fast Five as much as they can ahead of the regular, you know, traditional netball. Yeah, yeah. Or they'll try to turn traditional netball into your, you know, with your two-point shot. It's going to come. It's going to come. Oh, Sorry. Sorry, Sorry everyone. Uh, I, I don't... But can I just sidebar? Yes, you may. The best thing about that uh, tournament mm. for world netball was the fact that Malawi actually beat England to finish third. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, that was uh, incredible. That's, that's huge. Mm. And uh, I guess... Y- Long-term concern might be that countries like Malawi, Jamaica and all that at the expense of the traditional version, I hate saying it that way, but that's, that's how this will work, Yeah, yeah. Um, will focus more on the shorter version like the West Indies do with uh, 2020 cricket ahead of well, any other cricket basically and it's really kind of destroying their uh, whole setup. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that anything that puts... You know, netball onto the back pages of the paper is good for the sport. But I think that, yeah, the the concern will be what Channel 9 are going to do now that they've got their hands on both Fast Five and the, the, the normal tournament. On to the Four Nations Rugby League tournament that's taking place over in the UK at the moment. Australia, England, New Zealand and Scotland are playing. There has been one game for each team. Australia spanking Scotland by 42 points. New Zealand defeating England by one point. A drop kick towards the end of the game. But it hasn't been on field well, there's a shock. Rugby We're, league, rugby league stories not on the field. One of them actually is about the game. It was mm. Sean Johnson. His drop goal to win the game for New Zealand is being questioned as to whether it went through. And the footage they're showing is from behind the goals a white ball traveling through a white post with a blurry image. Yeah, and you like, can't tell if it's in front or behind or left or right. Or yeah. well, you can tell it's right. Depending yeah. on what angle you're looking yeah. at. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you know that's at least semi-related to the game. But what's the what's the big story, AJ? Well, look, uh, a few years ago when he was coach of Queensland, Mel Meninga uh, came out and was talking about the rats and filth who were trying to undermine his position as coach, and you know all of these sort of things. And he came out. Australia landed in England for the tournament, mm-hmm. and he started talking about how Wayne Bennett the legendary Australian coach who is coaching England for now mm. until the World Cup, which is next year, um, he said <laughs> they are, the reporters at the press conference when he arrived asked him what he thought of Wayne Bennett coaching England and he said words to the effect of he wants my job and then proceeded to talk about Wayne Bennett undermining Mel Meninga so that Wayne Bennett could eventually come and coach Australia. What? Um, yeah. So instead of saying... It's great that Wayne is, you know, taking all of his knowledge over to England mm. and, and helping them to make a better world game. He's going, he's doing that so that he can beat me and then take my job. Yeah, basically. He's saying, Meninga, Meninga then wrote a column in oh, the no. Career Mail in Queensland saying that, uh, well, accusing Bennett of saying, you know, he was saying that they're not friends. And that, well, I don't understand why they should be, but anyway. Who cares? Bennett did coach. 
uh, Mal at the Raiders for a little while. Um, but he said that the um, and at Queensland. But he's saying that if Bennett doesn't rate Meninga as a coach, and you know all of this kind of he's trying to undermine me because when the Australian job was made available, uh, mm-hmm. Bennett was asked about it, and he said it doesn't need to be full time; he could do it part time. And so there's a little bit of little bit of angst here and there, but um, it's it, just bizarre. Just is it bizarre. a little bit of attempted Eddie Jones mind games, or is Mel just well, that, he's doing it to himself? Ins- yeah, <laughs> is he that insecure that he's just like, so what do you think about the tournament? Oh, I, I think that I'm better than than Wayne. Well, yeah, a little little bit of that, I think. But uh, I think the second round of the tournament is this Sunday Australian time. Uh, Aust- England will flog. Uh, Scotland, which is basically England B. Yeah, uh, right. And Scotland doesn't even have a rugby league league. Um, so, so where are their know. players coming from? Well, yeah, there's, right. that's, that's another story for another time where we've got more time. Uh, Australia and New Zealand is the big one uh, this Sunday. I think it's at 7am uh, and whoever wins that will probably win the whole thing. Finally, AJ, we have the Melbourne Cup, the horse race that stops the nation. Sorry, just a sec. I'm just looking up the horses in the cup because <laughs> I have absolutely zero idea of what the field is, what the anything is. Do yeah. you do you have interest at all? Pretty much nil. Yep. I'll gamble because that's what we do in Australia. We gamble on things we've got no idea about and mm-hmm. act like we know what's going on. Is yours a moral stand against the the way that the horses are treated or do you just not care? No, I've got no interest. But a yeah. uh, friend of the show, ABC Grandstands, Tim Gore, wrote an interesting article on theraw.com.au mm. uh, about why he doesn't follow horse racing anymore. Yeah, yeah. So check that one out. That's about the you know, the treatment of the animals. Mm. Which, so, you know, and, and he said, in it, he's not there to preach to to people if they come around to or not come around if they decide to come to his way of thinking. That's great, but mm. yeah, it's a really good piece. So have a look at that one. Do you know anything about the race? Do you yeah. know what about horse racing in general? Let's go horse racing in general first. Not as much as I used to. In my mid twenties, I was definitely much more keen observer of the the horses. I really, I like them as animals. I love to go to the races to just walk around the stables and and, and like look at the horses. If I can pat the horses, great. Mm. I do enjoy watching them race. I, I don't think I've had a, a punt on the horses outside of, you know, if you're just down at it. Boozing at the pub. Yeah, yeah, outside of that, I wouldn't have done that for, for quite a while. But, you know, I still do enjoy watching it. I watched Derby Day, uh, all of the races there on the weekend. Just, I find it interesting. But, yeah, I'm not necessarily wanting to, you know, to go along either to the Melbourne Cup for the social aspect. Oh, I couldn't think of anything worse. 120,000 of your least oh, favourite friends. God. Right next... Oh, it's all boozed off, boozed off their dials. It's going to be wet in Melbourne today too for Cup Day. The last time... The second I, of our sports-related uh, public holidays this year. Yes, the last time that I went to the races was I went to Derby Day a few years ago. We were lucky enough to have some nice corporate hospitality. We did go for a walk through the crowd uh, to see... Someone drinking a beer out of a shoe, and we promptly turned back. And something tells me we're going to get um, feedback on this. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Because there's a lot of people out there who really do love horse racing and are deep into it. I know we've got a few regular listeners who um, who are deep into horse racing and have owned horses that have done good things. Um, that, that, that have won on that have Melbourne won, Cup Day. Won on Melbourne Cup Day. And we actually knew, know one of the owners of Prince of Penzance who won last year. Mm. Um, but outside of that, I'm just, people, people do love horse racing. It's just it doesn't, doesn't float our boat. AJ, have you managed to find... The, the field, you've, you've been frantically looking through your, your iPad. I found it. D- okay. Jeez. That's <laughs> do you, it's hard to just find something outside of a betting thing that just has the field and the odds. Everything's you know, like, oh, who's wearing what and who's going to what, if, well, who's going to what cage and oh. <laughs> who's, who, are, who are you going to put your money on, AJ? The oh, people want to yeah. know. <laughs> the people need to know. I'm going to bet hundreds and hundreds and if not thousands of dollars on number six. Hartnell. So the favourite. Is that the favourite? Yep. Oh, man. All right. Scrub that. Um, All right. 13, Heartbreak City. Oh, okay. And then four, Bondi Beach. Yep. One more. And, oh, this, I love this one. 15, Excess Knowledge. All right. I've got Wicklow Brave to win from Almanden and Jamaica. Ooh, that's official horse race sounding words. Yep. AJ, that brings us to the end of episode 35 of A Sporting Discussion where we gave, for some reason, our fearless tips for <laughs> fearless the Melbourne Cup. Fearless and ignorant. There is no courage like ignorance, is there, Andrew? <laughs> if anyone wants to follow those, oh, God, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd follow mine because I've got absolutely no idea what's going on. And like footy tipping, you know that that person is going to get it. <laughs> if you have an issue that you'd like us to talk about next week, maybe not horse racing related, hit us up on Twitter <laughs> at ASD underscore podcast or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. We will reply. Tweets or comments will be signed off with either AJ for AJ Mithen or AD for myself, Andrew Donison. Tell your friends to subscribe to a sporting discussion on whatever podcast service they use. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Player FM, or you can listen via Wooshka, the lovely people who host our audio. You can listen on their desktop site or via their app. Make sure you leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think of us. Get in contact with us on our social medias to debate anything that you would like to about what we spoke about in this show. Horse racing, horse racing fans in particular, tell us tell us why we're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. Not wrong, just no, tell just, us what's good about horse Yeah, tell racing. us why yeah. you love it. Yeah. AJ, rugbyleaguehub.com. Still writing. <laughs> Still writing. There's a few more in the bank as well, so I'll, I'll tweet them out as we go along. And I'll be doing some live blogging this weekend as well. Oh, NBA live yeah, blogging. Yeah, I started live, NBA live blogging this Saturday, 1.30pm. I'll be doing the LA Lakers versus the Golden State Warriors. Head to theraw.com.au for that. That's right. We'll tweet it as well. And... Uh, uh, there's a chance I'll be doing some of the Four Nations Rugby League, but that's to be confirmed. Excellent. I look forward to reading your, your pithy remarks throughout the games. And I look for... I need the band. I need people to come and have a crack. Let's, <laughs> let's get into it the people. Um, Andrew, we'll be hearing you again, 7.15am, to talk about the Western Bulldogs on the breakfasters. Try to somehow weave <laughs> AFL into a sports report where there is no newsworthy AFL stuff going on. <laughs> you can also hear... 
the White Line Wireless podcast. There's going to be five, uh, six of those throughout the cricket summer. The first one has been released where myself, Anthony Condon and Jules Hay talk about the upcoming season of cricket. So, Oh, and who doesn't like who? And real. No, oh. no, no, none of that. Fighting like cats. Yeah, yeah everyone fights like cats. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Thank yep. you, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week. Bye.